0: Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Today, we have a very special guest inside the huddle with us and here ready to help us to move the ball is Daryl Stinson. Now, Daryl is a former college football athlete who played defensive end at Central Michigan University from 2008 to 2011, where he supported his team as they won a MAC championship and became the 23rd nationally ranked team in college football. Daryl founded an organization called Second Chance Athletes, which we will talk about, and is now a thought leader on athletic transition, as well as is a TEDx speaker, hip-hop artist, pastor, and certified John Maxwell life coach. Daryl, welcome to the show.
1: What's up and what is up to the world? I'm so glad to be here. It's going to be fun today.
0: I love your energy to kick off the show. So thank you for, for bringing that added level of positivity. So, yeah, you know, I've really been looking forward to chatting with you today. I know you and I were talking before the show. Um, I have a good friend, Jerry Harris, shout out, that played football with you at CMU. And you have just such an amazing and inspiring story. And I know that everyone listening today is really going to leave this uh, episode feeling inspired and ready to do great things. So I'm excited for our conversation.
1: Me too. Let's do it.
0: So let's start off by talking about football. For a minute, Football to you, football to me, is more than just a game. It, beyond the wins and losses, the spirited rivalries, the epic, gridiron matchups, there are so many impactful lessons that, that people who play the game and people around the sport just carry with them, for life. And we'll talk about some specific lessons in in a bit, but I want to start this off by, you wrote a letter to football, thanking football for giving you your identity as a young boy, for giving you a reason to be proud of yourself. Tell us, how did football come into your life as a kid?
1: Disclaimer, I wrote that letter to football for my good friends at the NCAA. And there is a little PR to it, um, meaning that You know, I can't talk about my faith. I couldn't use, you know, controversial terms. That's a little disclaimer. I love the letter, but it's a little bit PR-ish. What's not in there, and I'll get to your question, what's not in there is is football was like a savior, like a God to me. You'll see this if you listen to my TEDx talk, um, Overcoming Rejection, that I was teased as a kid for being a black kid that talked, quote, I'm doing air quotes right now, white. It made me not popular And it made me question myself and my identity and my behavior. And football became the thing that enabled me to not have to choose between my white friends and my black friends. Because nobody cared if I talked, quote unquote, white and I was black because all they cared about is how many points did I score? How many touchdowns did I score? And so football gave me the freedom to be me. And that's where very early on. In the sixth grade, I fell in love with it. And I was like, this is going to be the thing that makes me in life. This is going to be the thing that allows me to be me and to build friendships and to have fame and success and all the other stuff that comes with athletic success.
0: I really like that because a lot of the people I've had on the show or people that I've talked with outside the podcast, when you talk about what excites you about the game, it's about, you know, the competitiveness or the the, the teamwork, or I just get to pound people. But one of the things that a really good friend of mine who played in the NFL um, for the Chiefs and the Bengals, Otis Hudson, used to tell me football is a great sport because it brings people together of all walks of life. And it doesn't matter where you came from, because it's about Working together as a team. And as you mentioned, you know, scoring points, right? Winning games. Nobody cares about your background. It's appreciating the diversity of the team and working together to move the ball and to win.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, share with us what are some of the lessons that football taught you to be successful beyond the game as you were a kid and as you grew into adulthood, went on to college and play?
1: Easy toughness and resilience. I was a, a wimp. <laughs> I was, uh, and th- not everybody that plays basketball is a wimp. But I went to Central Michigan University in large part because they were going to allow me to play both sports. I could have went to a, you know SEC school or something like that, but would have only been able to play football. And I wanted to play basketball and football. And CMU was going to let me do that. They didn't end up letting me do that. Still mad about that one. You know, it's it's one of those things where. The best way I know how to describe it is this is when there's a foul for everything in basketball and for football, it's like you get paid to rough people up. (laughs) It's almost like I was playing football as a basketball player. Like I was like trying to call foul. (laughs) It's like, there's no foul in football. (laughs) Like like obviously like if you hit, you know, uh, after the whistle or, or helmet rules or something like that, but I'm talking about like, it's, it's designed to be more of a rough sport and I was soft. And and because my coaches knew that I had great athletic potential, they literally spent a lot of time toughening me up. I mean, I remember uh, Jake Olson, who played in the CFL. Uh, our coach told him one play that to let me run by him and then jump on me and just start punching me in the chest until I got mad enough to retaliate because they were trying to bring like the beast out of me because they knew it was in there. Like I had the height, you know, I had the size, the athleticism, but I just never like threw my weight around. And so that, that, that was it, man. After he did that, it, it did something to me. So Coach Butch Jones, who I think he's at Alabama now, he brought the lion out of me. And I was like, man, I'm never letting that happen to me again. I was so mad. And uh, I tried to fight uh, Jake. But then Coach was like, no, 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 I told him to do that. Then I was mad at Coach that he told him to do that. So football taught me how to be tough, how to bring the lion out when circumstances are pressing in and beating me down.
0: Got it. And it's not just physical toughness, but it's mental toughness as well. That's important. I mean, I, in that example, you know, it's physical. But I, when I look at you know, the great athletes of the world, great leaders, they they learn to to deal through with adversity, with tough situations, mm-hmm. with losses, you know, in the game, whatever game it is, they're playing metaphorically in business, you know, and not on the field in football. But uh, there, there's many components to toughness as well.
1: See, I get that question like a lot or that topic, we talk about that a lot in sports, uh, the mental game, the physical game. I, I, I can't separate the two. Like, I, it's just not the way that I, my mind works because I can't be physically tough if I'm not mentally tough. Think about when you when you are, are going against your opponent. What's what's one thing that you do before you ever exert your physical energy? You set your mind. This is why we are in a motivational music. What are we doing? We're getting our mind in a space that helps us to leverage our physical strength. And so for me, like like mental toughness is the greater thing so that I can actually use my physical strength. (laughs) So like to me, they're, they're, they're synonymous. They the stronger I am mentally, the more that I exert physically.
0: I like that. That's a great glad you brought that up. So let's talk about being at CMU. I mean, you, you talked before, you know, you had the size, the talent, the speed, you know, to to be one of those elite players destined for the NFL. Yeah, had dreams of continuing on and that was kind of your path. But then something happened that, that kind of took you in a different direction. Share your story with us.
1: Yeah. So, I played my freshman year and towards the end of my freshman year, I was trying to impress all the upperclassmen, the Frank Zambos, the Larry Knights, the I'm trying to think of Nick Bellore some names you might know. Um, some of them are still in league now. And I was I was trying to impress them with how strong that strong I was as a freshman. And um, I came up wrong after a squat and I and I pinched a nerve in my back. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know the difference between being hurt and being injured. I thought I was just hurt. I was injured. And I went like that for about six months and, and until the pain just got unbearable. And literally, my left leg muscle was turning into jello. My right leg muscle was actually pure muscle. So I went to get an MRI, and it comes to find out I had a pinched nerve, and I actually had to have emergency back surgery or else my left leg was going to go paralyzed. The doctor did my surgery on a Sunday. And so uh, I had the surgery, and coaches said that, hey, man, you have a golden opportunity. You can now focus on your education for free. You have a full ride scholarship and you can come around football whenever you want, man. You can still come and play and be a mentor like we value you as a leader. But for me, sports was not what I did. It was who I was. I couldn't let go. It's not that I didn't think I could be successful at anything else after sports. It's that I didn't think I would be fulfilled by anything else. I grew up like I'm going to make it. <laughs> like it wasn't an if. I had coaches who work with NFL athletes and they're like, dude, it's not a matter of if you're going to make it. It's just win. Like you can leave early. And so I couldn't let it go like that. So I rehabilitated my body. I begged and prodded and pleaded for the coaches to let me sign a liability waiver so that they wouldn't be liable for my injury or death if I came back and played the game. And I came back and I did so with some success. I, I earned a starting position, started making some plays on the field, but I did so at a cost to my physical and my mental health. For my physical health, I was taking, I developed an opioid addiction. I was taking so many opioids that my blood was thinning to the point where every time I made contact on the field, my nose would bleed my mental health. I started to sell drugs all throughout the state of Michigan because it was covering my medical expenses because CMU wasn't paying for it because they didn't think I should play. They didn't want to be liable. If they pay for my medical bills, that means they they agreed. So they couldn't pay. My personal insurance wasn't paying for me to play Division One football, (laughs) so I paid for this stuff out of pocket. So my life for two years was complete chaos. Mentally exhausting because I'm literally going from practices to selling drugs to classes to selling drugs to workouts and lunch to selling drugs. And it was like that for two years. Finally, uh, it just got so bad where I started the, the opioids and all the epidural shots I was getting in my back. Um, wasn't numbing the pain enough. I, I, I was running with a limp. I was still performing because I was so athletically gifted. But people could see on my film. This dude's in pain. Coaches are like, man, we can't we can't watch you do this. So we're, we're going to get in trouble. And they kicked me off the team, even though they needed me. And that's when I had to face all of these feelings of insecurity, of of the fact that, you know, football could not mask, you know, because for football, it was like the release it's how I dealt with all that stuff. But now I didn't have football to make me popular. So who was I? And so that led to depression. I didn't think that my life had purpose or meaning outside of sports. My opioid addiction turned into multiple substance addiction. I started mixing multiple substances to try to end my life. Um, I wrote my suicide letter. Uh, I tried to starve myself to death, and I went from 275 pounds to 219 pounds in four weeks. And uh, all these attempts at suicide landed me in a psychiatric unit. And thankfully, in this psychiatric unit, I had a life-changing experience that helped me to believe that, you know what, maybe there is something out there for me other than football and sports. Maybe there is something that would fulfill me, like being an athlete fulfilled me. And I started to search it out. And I spent about five years researching everybody's purpose and identity. I prayed. I meditated. I did Myers-Briggs and Strengths Finder and Enneagram. I mean, you name it, I've done it because I was trying to find purpose. I I wasn't settling for what my passion was. Like my passion was sports. I needed something deeper than that. And so uh, thankfully, I was able to find that. And I'm at a good place now.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that was a. It's always hard to talk about stories like that. So I appreciate you uh, being willing to share that mm-hmm. with us and and talk about. So you you had this event that uh, kind of changed your life and you were focused in a new direction, trying to find purpose, kind of what did you do aside from taking all of these different tests? Because I'm sure there are some people listening that are are hearing your story and they've settled in their life. You know, they are taking a job because it's a job. They're not necessarily happy. And they're thinking about maybe it's time to kind of make a change and do something different. What guidance would you give people to kind of reaching deep down inside and looking to, to identify what that purpose is and how they can move forward.
1: I would start with the word settle. I, I think I've used that word so much. And I realized something recently that before I settle, I numb, I numb myself. Here's what I mean by that. I'm working a job. I'm, I'm making good money. I'm, I'm doing great things. But deep inside, I know there's more. And rather than Discover what that is. Figure out what that is. I just numb my spiritual senses, my emotional indicators, and I just keep on pushing harder, grinding harder, and then that's what leads to settling. So I would start there. I I would say maybe, maybe the reason why you settled is because you numbed yourself emotionally and you pretended like your life is super fulfilling when it's not. And and it's not that. See, it's not that it's bad. It doesn't have to be bad. If on a scale of zero to 10, like if it's an eight, let's make it a 10. That's what I'm talking about. So this isn't about like, oh, I hate my life. I'm about to be, get divorced. Like it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be rock bottom like I was. You can be numb and, and, and be an eight and still there's more inside you. So I, I would start there. My thing is, is, is ask yourself, is there something tugging at you saying that there's more?
0: I really like that. We'll continue.
1: So once a person says, yeah, okay, there's more. You know, I'm I'm happy. I'm content. But but there's more. I would say, all right, let's figure out what that more is. Shameless plug. That's what step three in our five step process does. Step three is all about discovering what that more is. So the good news is that in pandemic, we launched a course and we now have a purpose discovery course where you can get just that slice of the pie. I recommend the whole thing, but you can just get just if if that's where you are right now, you can take the course and it's super cheap. It's ninety seven bucks. I don't know how long it's gonna stay that price, but it's 97 bucks right now. It'll help you find out what that more is. It's all of this stuff, because I'm not trying to just sell the course. Let me give you some, some things to ask yourself, okay? Practically, here's what you can do. I want you to write down all of your what's, W-H-A-T-S, <laughs> all of your what's. Everything that you do, do not limit it to just work. I'm talking about the TV shows you watch, uh, the conversations you have, uh, the people you hang around, the job that you do. What, 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 what? Write it down, one column, okay? On the column next to it, I want you to ask yourself the golden three-letter word. Here it is, why. Why do you like to do that? What is the why behind your what? Oh, you know what, I really like marketing, why? Oh, I really like coaching people financially, why? Oh, I really like podcasting, why? And what you're looking for as you ask yourself why on your what list, you're looking for common denominators. You're looking for common themes you're looking for something that ties them together that's a deeper motivation changing what you do because here's what i've learned what you do can change why you do it usually doesn't and it's not surface level surface level sounds like this well to help others everybody's here to help others i hope i'm talking about something that's so unique to you i should be able to read your purpose statement and go that's jennifer not that's a thousand other people that's jennifer this is what marketing experts try to do as like your unique selling proposition. That's what we're getting at. Think about it. If we can have USPs for business, why can't we have USPs for our purpose in our personal life?
0: Right. Yeah, I completely agree.
1: You see what I'm saying? And, so, and yep. so that's what I would encourage people to do, to get to that place. Because once you find it, then you can build it. Once you see it, then you can build it.
0: Absolutely. No, That that's very, very powerful. And I appreciate you going a little bit deeper. And I'm glad you brought up your course. So tell people, uh, how can they find it? We're going to put this in the show notes, but tell them where they can go to check out the course and, and to get it.
1: Secondchanceathletes.com slash purpose.
0: Perfect. And again, we're going to have that in the show notes. I hope you like what you heard so far about the course. Uh, Daryl is amazing. And I know that uh, anyone that signs up is going to get so much value out of it. So be sure to, to check it out. So something that you mentioned earlier in our conversation, you talked about overcoming rejection. Yes. And I've seen your TED talk on this. So talk about I mean, you talk about rejection is our friend and not our enemy. And you share a couple ways that we should view rejection. So I'm not going to steal your thunder. You're going to share with us those those pieces. How should we see rejection?
1: So, first of all, please steal the thunder. Like, because here's the thing. That is the thunder. I, I, I didn't do TEDx speech so I can say I'm a TEDx speaker. I do not care. Like, I'm a good speaker whether TEDx wants me or not. I did TEDx. Because it was a platform that could reach more people. And so when I hear feedback, like I watched it, that 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 helped me think about things in a different way. I'm like, yes, yes. That's why I did it. What, what did you think?
0: So I really liked it. You talk about see rejection as projection and then also to see rejection as protection. Something mm-hmm. that I... I talk about, I write about, I'm on LinkedIn posting all the time. Uh, Rejection, when we're rejected from something that's redirecting us to the path that we're meant to be on, for one. And when we are rejected, it just means that the people that reject us are not meant to be on the path with us. You talk about your purpose, right? And your, your why. The why doesn't really change, but the what may change. And so as you're trying to fulfill your purpose you should encounter rejection along the way, or else in my mind, you're not playing big enough if you don't. Uh, And so, you know, a lot of people, they get discouraged by rejection. It's not fun to be rejected. Nobody likes it. But some people, when you're rejected, you have a choice. You can either accept that and let that discourage you, or you can say, okay, okay, I'm going to be redirected into a different way, you know, and let me figure out how I'm going to continue to move forward and and further my purpose with other people in my life. And so you talk about how, you know, it's protecting you from some people don't need to be in your life anymore. Right. And so I think we need to come to terms and accept that, that not everybody is meant to be on the path with us. Even people who have been in our lives for a long time, sometimes it's, they've served their purpose and it's time to move on. So I really liked your TED Talk because rejection is something that I talk about a lot because I feel like people get so caught up in the negative event that that just deters them and discourages them instead of using it as a positive.
1: Absolutely. Just go listen to the TEDx talk for all of our listeners. It's 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 encouraging. Hey, I don't get anything for people viewing it. <laughs> it's all TEDx's intellectual property. So, uh, But it'll bless you. Let me share something that's not on there. OK, this will be helpful, especially for all of our former athletes. All right. Think of rejection like the coach who's watching film with you pointing out your mistakes. There's two ways to view coaching and correction. Way one is I suck. (laughs) I don't have what it takes. But no coach coaches people who suck and don't have what it takes. You don't believe me? How much do they coach the fourth string players? (laughs) The reason why you get coached is because they see potential in you. Rejection is your million dollar coach. When rejection happens in your life, it's like you watching film, seeing the mistakes, picking the wisdom up that you see on film and using it to be a better player in life, to using it to be a better husband, a better wife, a better spouse, whatever, a better business professional. That's where rejection is. When people don't like me, why? Here was my big statement on TEDx, is that rejection is our friend and it's not our enemy. If I were to do a survey of everybody listening, say, how many of you like rejection? Nobody would be like, yay, unless they were just being difficult and just wanted to say, yeah, because they get that every failure is an opportunity to learn. But most people don't like it because it feels terrible. When people don't invite me out to hang out with them, that feels terrible. When I get on a sales call and don't convert, that feels horrible. If I speak and people don't applaud, That feels terrible. Rejection hurts. And usually a lot of times what we do is we go, "Okay, well, I suck. I just need to do better. Rejection can give you more intellectual information than that. And I believe that buried beneath our most painful moments of rejection is our deepest treasure. And I'm not trying to sound poetic, because if you listen to the TEDx talk, you'll hear why. Beneath my rejection was the very thing that made me successful in life. And I believe that's true for everybody.
0: That's very, very powerful. If you could see me, I know I turned off the camera. I mean, I've got a big smile on my face. I love, I loved all of it. When I watched that TED Talk, I'm going to tell you guys, guys and gals listening, you've got to watch this TED Talk. We will have it in the show notes. Uh, Daryl's a fantastic speaker, for one, if you couldn't tell, through our interview, but uh, it is so powerful. And I think you're just going to come out of it being so enthused, inspired. It's going to give you a new perspective to look at rejection and it's going to make you a better person for it. So please be sure to go listen to it. Um, It it will not, uh, you'll, you'll definitely be glad that you took the time to do it. So let's talk about second chance athletes a little bit more. Tell us why did you start the organization?
1: I started Second Chance Athletes because I was speaking, sharing my story about suicide and how I overcome it and mental health and mental illness and all that stuff. And my experience with sports, much like we're doing this podcast. And I noticed that people were leaving inspired, but not transformed. They were like, oh, my gosh, that was That was that was me, man. Oh, I'm dealing. I'm I'm struggling with depression, too. I'm oh, man, thank you. That's exactly what I need to hear. They were saying all that stuff. And then I was like, man, thank you so much. Glad I can make a difference. And then I was like, all right, see you later. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no, they need help. They need community. They need support. They need resources. Second Chance Athletes enables us to produce the transformation. I can inspire from stage, but transformation happens in process. So that's what Second Chance Athletes is about. Uh, originally, we we were just helping athletes find identity and purpose beyond sports. But then, as you know, you start to service people who are on different spectrums. Some people have got it; they're transitioned out, but they're just looking to be challenged more in life. And and let me just say this, because I know we're getting close to the end of the show here. I want to invite a select few people on a journey. I am on a mission to surround myself with people who want to build a legacy, and through second chance athletes, in the next two weeks. We are launching the Legacy League. The Legacy League is for people who want to impact lives beyond their own life for generations to come, want to build something that's going to last for generations. That's what legacy is. We can be as successful as we want in this life, but if we don't build anything for the next, that's not legacy. And so uh, for anybody who's like, yeah, that's me, I'd like the resources, the network, the support, the content that comes with that, we're building a community. We're going to bring some of the world's best people to speak into this community so that we can build our legacy. That's important. Listen, when I survived suicide, I realized something. Life is a gift. And the only reason I believed I survived was because I was supposed to help others. Legacy, leaving something to my children's children that I didn't have. And not just money, wisdom, understanding, a relational currency. So if that's you, shoot me an email. I told Jennifer I was going to give my email away on this podcast. Daryl, D-A-R-R-Y-L-L, at secondchanceathletes.com. I promise you, that's my email. Hit me up. Someone does help me manage it, but I promise I will read everyone.
0: Perfect. And that will also be in the show notes. You know, be a part of the Legacy League. Reach out to Daryl. I love what you're doing. And hearing what you said, I want to share something. I had the, uh, the pleasure of having a gentleman named Bo Porter on my show. Bo was a Major League Baseball player who played baseball and football. In college, and something that he said on the show, I I will re listen to my episodes from time to time, just because I really enjoy the insights that my guests share. And something he said was, everything you do for yourself dies with you. Everything you do for other people has a chance to live on forever. And I didn't know that you were going to say what you said on our show, but I just happened to listen to Bo's episode the other day and I wrote it on a napkin. I just thought, I mean, yes, it completely aligns with what you just said. So I just had to, to read that. Um, here, because it, it it's true. I mean, do you want to leave a legacy, mm-hmm. or do you want everything that you do in life to die when you go? I mean, that's one reason why I quit my job. I mean, a number of my listeners know who've been following my journey. I left my corporate job, good-paying corporate job, mm-hmm. on November fifth last year, which uh, would have been my dad's birthday. Because it took my dad passing away very unexpectedly to get me to, and I was one of those people that was at and I, I was loving my life. It wasn't bad. But when he passed, I started thinking about how when you're gone, the world keeps moving on. And so I decided that I was going to leave my corporate job. Um, now, my dad passed away three and a half years ago. So it took me it took me a while to get ready to leave. But after he passed and I went through this period of reflection, it really you know, got me thinking about what else do I want to do to leave a legacy, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I go. So anyway, I appreciate you, uh, you bringing that up. And I know that uh, you and the, the Legacy League community are going to do amazing things.
1: You too. You're in the legacy community. You get it.
0: Yes. You get
1: it. we got a lot of work to do. Let's do it.
0: I want to be on your team and let's move the ball. We will. All right. So let's, what I want to do now is I want to switch over to my two minute drill, my seven fun questions that I ask every single guest on the show. Are you ready? I think. (laughs) All right, here we go. What is your favorite food?
1: Fat man salad with chicken. <laughs> Fat okay. man salad is like a loaded salad. It's like me trying to be healthy, but I like like bacon and eggs and ranch and whatever else I can throw on a salad. And I like chick- fried chicken wings with it. So that's my that's my favorite food.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> how about how about what is your favorite movie?
1: So my favorite movie is actually The Great Debaters, which. Really cool. The TEDx talk that I did was actually filmed at Wiley College, which is where they filmed a lot of the great debaters at.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I
1: know. It's a cool story. So, yeah. All
0: right. How about what's your favorite sports team? Professional sports team does not have to be football.
1: It's not, it's the Lakers.
0: Okay, <laughs> great, uh, a great basketball team. My son is a is a Lakers fan. I grew up in Chicago, so I'm a Bulls fan. But uh, but I did watch many Laker games because uh, uh-huh. my son watched a lot of them. I know you're from the
1: side. What side? What side of Chicago?
0: The northwest side. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: So my dad's from Chicago. He's from the south side, though.
0: Oh, so we differ in baseball. Sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. How
0: about what is one thing that most people don't know about you? So
1: I would say that a lot of people don't know that I can rap, but I I produce two songs now. And so now more and more people know that I can. So probably that I'm actually an introvert. So as as loud as I am, as passionate as I am, I really enjoy being alone. (laughs)
0: Well, that's the thing. Just because you're outgoing or vocal and you speak well, that doesn't mean that you're extroverted. A lot of people get that confused. They think if you're outgoing, then you have to, or you're, you're around people or you speak well, that you are an extrovert. And that's actually not true. Right. Extroversion means you get energized (laughs) by being around people. Introversion means you like to be alone. So Mm -hmm. for those that don't know the difference, now you do. (laughs) How about what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor?
1: Oh, that one's hard. That one's hard. And I I heard your podcast. I was like, she's going to ask me a question. That's going to be my hardest one. I I have to cheat and give you two real quick. Number one, I would say by default, it's a quote from Marianne Williamson that a lot of people know is there's a whole little poem she does. But it's but the line that I like from it is that our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate, but that we are powerful beyond measure. Because that just speaks to me at a deep place. But in terms of just like a mentor who has said something to me, I would say it's it's probably something along the lines of like, like you are, I believe in you. I believe in you. And the reason why is because that came at a time where I did not believe in myself. And sometimes we have to borrow other people's belief in us before we can believe in ourselves. So that's my answer.
0: That is powerful. You're right. I mean, we, we do sometimes need others to believe in us before we believe in our ourselves. And so I'm going to take that and say to those of us that are listening or to those of you that are listening, you know, if there are people that you think are struggling with confidence and trying to, to do something in their lives, let them know that you believe in them and are there for them. And maybe that'll be enough to get them to believe in themselves. Yes. You just never know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next question is, what is the best piece of advice that you would give someone?
1: It's real simple. Give all of you to the world. I like that. It's simple, but it's powerful. And I've, I've been saying this on the, like the last like seven podcasts I've been on and speaking engagements. I've been saying on a, a scale of zero to 100 percent, how much of you are you giving the world? And I'll be honest, I think I'm at like 70, 80. And it's because it's hard. It requires vulnerability. And, and you, I don't just mean money. It does include money. How much of you are you giving the world? This is why a lot of people are afraid of public speaking, because, because public speaking is psychologically undressing in front of people it's my thoughts laid bare before the world so so i would say bring all of you to the world your your quirky self your weird things that you like like don't shelter anything behind insecurity bring it all out there to the world that's that's my advice
0: I love that. And one thing I'll add to that is, so how do, you, how do you help doing that? When you let go of the fear of judgment, it's a lot easier to give yourself to the world. And I'll share, I mean, I recently started, well, it's been almost a year now, but last year I started doing more videos, uh, selfie videos. I was not comfortable with that. If you want to film me all day long with a camera, it wouldn't bother me. But having that phone a couple inches from my face, I did not like. And so I said, all right, we're going to go do this because I know that everyone's doing it, uh, to really use that as a vehicle to impact others. It wasn't just, hey, let me show myself doing crazy things. It was I had messages I wanted to get out and video was a great way to do it. When I realized that I needed to let go of that fear of judgment and not really care what people were going to say, because there's always someone that can use what you have to say, no matter how many people may hate on when I there are haters out there. And there were times where I was really vulnerable, and people were still mean. And that hurts. But there are other people that would comment on those posts and say, I really needed this today. Or, you know, there's one person in particular, I had done a post, it was 2am, I had been crying, because I was thinking about all of these mean comments that people had wrote on a post that I had been vulnerable, and I shared one of the comments. And I talked about how you don't have to accept people's hate. And I'll never forget this, this one comment, it was a guy that I didn't know, he said, it took a lot of courage to post a video like that. And I hope to one day be like you. That's why we do this. You know, that's why you give all of yourself to the world. And if there are people that don't like what you have to say, well, that's okay, because there's people that can use what you do have to say. So um Anyway, I just wanted to, to share that when you let go of that fear of judgment, you can put yourself out there and show that vulnerability, show the other sides of you that maybe you wouldn't have shown before then.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree.
0: All right. So we got one more question left in my two minute drill, which has extended <laughs> quite a while.
1: That's my fault. It's uh, <laughs> my fault. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's great. This is all <laughs> awesome stuff. Uh, the last question if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why?
1: Um, I would be uh, Dr. Strange. <laughs> and, and the reason why is because originally I was going to say Xavier, <clears throat> like Professor Xavier from X-Men, because I, I like that, like if you can f- control somebody's mind, I mean, that's everything. You can just shut down all their powers. But then it's like <clears throat> Dr. Strange is just a better version because he can mind control, but then he can fly. He's strong. He can fight. And then he's like literally in another dimension. So to get like extra deep, he reminds me a little bit of myself because I feel like like legacy is like another dimension. And so uh, I like that about Dr. Strange. Um, and then and there's like no endless like everybody else, like their powers are like set. Right? Like, like Superman can only have super strength. He's done. You know, like the Hulk can only get strong <laughs> and. Dr. Strange still has a bunch of stuff to learn. And I'm like, gotcha. I go with Dr. Strange. So
0: there you go. No one has given me that answer yet. So very, ah, yeah. very good. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, as we wrap up today's show, uh, do you have any last thoughts for our listeners?
1: Yes. I believe in you. Please don't numb yourself. Uh, your book, your podcast, your dream, your fashion line. Uh your business is, is not about you. It's about who you can impact. Uh, it's about the legacy that you'll leave. Uh, please don't die with that inside you. Give it to the world. I believe in you. And if there's any way we can help or serve, just hit us up because I believe in you that much to invest in you.
0: Thank you. Very powerful. And again, we're going to have all the social links, the website, Daryl's email in the show notes to you. Please reach out uh, and connect with him. Well, Daryl, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show today. It's been a true honor and a pleasure chatting with you.
1: Thank you, too. It's been my joy. You are amazing. Thank you for all that you do.
0: I appreciate that. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't ever miss an episode. And until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com.